Welcome to Beautifully Bloomed, the podcast where we explore how to break you out of the box of rules and beliefs that are holding you back from the life you are meant to live. I'm your host, Rebecca Turville. Join me as I share mindset tools, coaching conversations, and human design to help you uncover your unique gifts and create the life, relationships, and business you desire. So welcome projectors. I am so excited to have the projectors on my podcast today. Today we have Gayla, April and Sarah and I have met all of these lovely projectors through a mastermind program that we are all a part of. And so I thought it would be fun for my projector listeners to hear from actual projectors about what it's like to be a projector. And fun fact, two of the people on the call today are actual physicians or have worked as doctors or are doctors. So that's interesting to me in the uh, thought about what projectors, who they are (laughs) and how they work. And so I think to start with, I just want each of you to kind of introduce yourself, short introduction, you know, who you are, uh, what you've done, maybe. Let's start with April. She's on the top of my screen over there. Hi. Hi, Hi, April. Thank you you for having me. So I am currently a human design life coach, but I have also been a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. I spent 10 years as a medical assistant. I've taught scuba diving. So I kind of have bounced around and done a few things, but that's where I'm at right now. Thank you. Sarah, I'm going around in a circle. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. I'm Sarah and I'm one of the physicians that Rebecca mentioned. So I am a mama. I have a five-year-old little man, emo, emotional manifester, um, which was an awakening moment in that and married and we have three puppies. I have been trained as a Western medical doctor, did residency. I was in a corporate practice for about six and a half years, um, and then had something shift in life and human design came in. I'm currently in a space between. And so I've started a coaching and bodywork practice, um, and we'll be opening a creative way of doing medicine within our current world. Ooh, that sounds really interesting. Thank you for being here, Sarah. Hi, Gayla. Hi. So I'm a 5-1 splenic projector, and I have always been a healer. And for about 20 to 24 years, I spent time in the traditional medical field, working in the lab. That was my first job. I was a lab rat, loved it, um, working in the hospital systems, and then uh, went on to do family medicine. And about, man, I'd say about maybe about two or three years into the training in medical school, I was getting tired. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what's going on? And then, um, and then in practice, I just decided after 10 years of, of full-time practice, I'd had enough. Um, it was time to move forward. And um, since then, I've that's when I found out about human design. It's been about a year for me now, almost two, that I found out about it and it's changed my life for sure. So now instead of working in a busy system, I get to uh, help other people in a coaching business, healing business. And I'm currently going through shaman training. Oh, that sounds interesting. Fabulous. So something you said, Gayla, I want to respond to. (laughs) All right, guys, I'm the manifesting generator here. I love having conversations so I can respond to things. So one of the things you said was about learning, learning that you were a projector. Was it a couple years ago, right? Mm -hmm. You said, so how did that change the way you looked at the way that you work? 
start with Gayla and we'll go around. <laughs> My favorite question, because I found out I'm not designed to work. Like that mm-hmm. was the most liberating thing for me because I never really liked working, but I liked what I was doing. I liked the science behind it. I liked the knowledge behind it. Physically, I just didn't have the same energy levels and that made me not like it as much. So I did not understand why I learned I was empathic that I didn't know. And that was a part of it because I was feeling other people's energy. But when human design came to me, it gave me the map. It gave me the reason why. And it just opened up this whole you know, world for me to say, OK, how do I best serve and how do I best use this energy that I have in the right way for me? Yeah. So that's what happened. Did you switch? Did you change from your job right away or? What happened? I left. Okay. I left five um, five years ago now. Oh, almost. okay. Yeah. So I have been in my quote unquote deconditioning process for a while because I've been working from home, but I didn't know that's what I was doing until <laughs> when I found out about HD and it all made sense now. Yeah. So yeah. Uh-huh. Awesome. So I had already left before I found out. So intuitively, you knew something had to change. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was too exhausted. I had no energy. And then I had gained a whole lot of weight. I didn't recognize myself anymore. In the mirror, I didn't feel the joy I used to have for life. And I was burnt out. I mean, that was the the end of it. And I was really absorbing everybody's energy in the office. So I couldn't figure out who I was and who they were. And what was really fascinating is once I learned I was a fifth line, all of that projection and you're going to help me and I don't want to see nobody else but Dr. Gates energy. It was like, oh, boy, and now I see why. <laughs> why yes, challenging. the line five. Hey, that's such a, you guys all have a line five, such a different <laughs> different conversation about line five. So fascinating. (sighs) Line five projectors. That is interesting. (laughs) How about April? How, what would you say happened with your career or your work when you found out you were a projector? Well, I hit burnout before I found out about human design. So I was 32. I was a stay at home mom. I thought I should not be this exhausted. I should not be crashing. I had panic attacks. It was, it was like a whole new world. I just got like Mm -hmm. thrust into full burnout. Um, My cortisol was tested. It was like three in the morning. Like I had no reserves whatsoever. And um, it was a journey back. Like it, it took changing my lifestyle. It took changing what I ate and and just a lot of self-discovery and a lot of work in, in that regard to do things differently. Cause I had always had a lot of energy, even knowing now as a projector, I had a lot of energy. I, I went and I did, and I did. And with my open route, I felt the pressure to do things quickly. So once I kind of traveled through this journey, I found that I really enjoyed learning about nutrition and wanting to help other people with it. So I went back to school for that and I had just graduated. I was working in my first year in in my own space and human design kind of landed in my lap. And I was like, what is this thing? I must know about this thing. I don't know what it is, but I must know. And um, that was kind of my, my journey. But once I saw, and I learned about what a projector was, I was like, wait, you mean I'm not supposed to work that hard? This is amazing news. (laughs) Like I know a lot of projectors are like, oh my gosh, this is awful when they hear that they're projectors, but not me. I was like, I am all in. This is me. I recognize this. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. It just felt comfortable, 
right? Yeah. It it felt like (laughs) recognition of who I really am. Yeah. So do you have anybody with sacral energy in your family? No, I actually, so my mom lives with us. She's a a splenic projector. Mm. She's a five, one splenic projector. I have two daughters. One is a five, one emotional projector. The other is a one, three mental projector. And my husband is a five, one manifester. So there's no sacral energy in this house. That's amazing. I'm just, I was trying to figure out where you were getting that drive or maybe it was your root that you said that you felt this pressure. Yeah, I think the open route. And then I had worked in the medical field. I was a medical assistant for 10 years. And so being around people all the time, I just, I was really great at my job because I could go Mm -hmm. and do things very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe you were getting, you were borrowing their sacral energy. You were probably around sacrals. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. So Sarah, what was your experience when you found out? Your projector. Uh, so I initially found out in 2019. I was on a trip with three other women, and one of them had a textbook on human design. And I was sitting in the back seat, and I was like reading. I was like, "Give me all your chart information, all three of you now." So I was running charts in the car, and I was like, "Oh, these three are generators. I'm the only projector. Huh? This is super interesting." Right. Mm -hmm. And so I started like listening and I started teaching them immediately about being a generator. (laughs) It was really fun, right? Like we learned all about the sacral response and we started playing with it immediately. And I remember the next day um, we were at this condo in California and they were all three of them like, let's go to Joshua tree and let's go hike and hike and hike. And I was like, I just read about being a projector. I don't think that's good use of my energy today. I think I need to stay at the pool and read this textbook. (laughs) So I spent the whole day, read the whole textbook, ran my child chart and my husband's chart. And I can remember like reading her chart and being like, oh, this all makes sense. Like her anger, got it. And like could make sense of my husband's amplifying it and what's going on with me. And it was really this wake up piece of like, oh, there's something here. Um, The work part wasn't something I was ready to accept though. It was like, I couldn't even see that like as a projector, I wasn't meant to work. I was the breadwinner. I was part-time, but still working like 70 to 80 hours some weeks, like delivering babies in the ER. Um, And I got back to work and I ran, I had a medical scribe and a nurse that were just with me. And I ran the charts and they were both generators. And I was like, huh, okay. And I could tell like, I had that scribe with me and, and all call shift. And then I wouldn't have them on the weekend shifts and I would be like done. And I just started recognizing like that combination of the energy. And for me being so open, I think we had talked about, I have two defined centers. So my throat is defined and my G center is defined. So I've got a lot of head pressure, a lot of root pressure, and then I can take that sacral energy in and amplify it. And so I did, I thought I was superwoman, which like totally fit the perception of medical school and residency and working in this um, really intense work environment. And it was like, but I'm not designed that way. And it took my husband learning with me and like witnessing it. And he would be like, and you need to go take a bath and be by yourself. And we're going to rearrange rooms so that you are sleeping by yourself. And like, so he was able to like help me create environments that helped me start recognizing like what was mine and wasn't mine. Um, And that's been a really powerful part of this work journey. So now I've been out of corporate medicine for about 
four months, six months now, um, and starting to finally feel that like excitement and joy and service and healing again, that was really always there. And so I'm just excited to see this next level of the mastermind, how far that brings me in that understanding about the working as a projector. And I feel like we even need to change the word work. Yeah. I just ran like my, my family's chart growing up, my mom, dad, and my brother are all generators. So like in that, like I was the hardest worker, like I Mm -hmm. got the most things done. And so it was really kind of hard for me to accept that that was never actually my energy, right? Like here I am like 35, 36 years old being like, oh, that's been like borrowed. Okay. Now I understand the, like, when I'm done with a 24 hour shift, I, it takes me a week to recover. And that's not necessarily true for a man, Jen or a Jen. And so you can start for me, it's brought compassion back to myself of being like, oh, now this makes sense. Mm. Okay. I can just, I can now play with that. And I think that's another part of my design with work is I'm a three, five. And so that three part of me just wanted to like, let's just try this. Like, here's our experiment. Like, let's try this for a week. And like realizing that my right environment is so important to be able to express that. And I think that five energy too, I'm not sure. Yeah. The five energy of being that projection field, like that, you know, visionary leader piece, like the right environment and the right people makes so much of a difference in the lived experience. So I think I answered. Thank you for sharing. Yes. You totally answered the question. The next question, for some reason, that popped in my head, even though you didn't say anything about it. I want to talk about the invitation because I think that's a part that a lot of us or a lot of projectors are like, what? <laughs> I have to wait around now. And uh, we'll start with you, April, first for this one. What does okay. that feel like to you? Like when you're like, okay, I have to wait for an invitation. Like, what does that mean to you? Or how does that, how has this played out well in your life? Honestly, I think that this was probably one of the more difficult aspects for me. So this is my sixth year in human design. And I have, I have swung that pendulum far both directions, like waiting for the invitation for everything and then not waiting for the invitation for anything, just charging ahead. And um, what I've really come to see is that the invitation is like, we put so much focus on the actual invitation, but it's really about the recognition. Like, are we being recognized for us? Are we being recognized for what we contribute and respected for it? Like, is it, you see something in me that you respect and you want to know more of, you want my help specifically with, because you really respect that? Or are you just looking for somebody to fill this role? And you know that I'll probably say yes. So there's a, there's a difference in that. And when you can define that quality for you of like what that feels like to be recognized for who you truly are and what you can contribute without having this expectation or this feeling that anybody could fulfill this role if they were just willing to say yes. I think that's the invitation for me. Mm, so it feels energetically right too somehow, right? Yeah. It clicks. Yeah. yeah. It's not just any invitation. It, yeah. You know, it has to be right. It's also aligning with that, that inner authority. Like, is this right for me? And do I feel recognized for me? Mm. What has been your experience that you've recognized? Oh, that wasn't me being invited. Or, you know, have you had any of those th- kind of, I assume you have, 
Absolutely. Well, if you're waiting around, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. waiting for an invitation, then one finally comes along. You're like, yes, yes. I say yes. (laughs) You know, you're just so excited to have somebody invite you. But if you don't take the time to really sit with it and go, is this about me specifically, or is this just an invitation being thrown out there? I think that we can say yes to things that we really don't mean to say yes to, or don't want to in the long run. And then those things usually fall apart. They don't, they don't sustain themselves. Yeah. So maybe also not leaning into your authority yeah. to see, is this the right invitation for me? Yeah. Um, and being yeah. emotionally defined, you know, there's, there's no hundred percent clarity in that. It's really just for me, it's like, what does it feel like? If I say yes to this, is this something I'm going to feel good about? Can I see myself, you know, further down the road with this decision, still enjoying this? And that may change, of course, mm-hmm. you know, but at this point with the information I have, does it feel right? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for telling us. I'm just curious, Gayla, how is your, is your experience the same with invitations or what, how, how has that worked for you? Yeah. So um, I know for a lot of people, it does create this holding pattern for them, but really when you think about a projector, we're doing more than waiting when we're here. Like the more I learn about how our energy works, we're like, we're cleaning the energy of the atmosphere. We're doing things to help bring in the higher consciousness, even when we're quote unquote resting. So for me, it's finding value in both roles that the projector plays. And then when we think about our energy really being a premium, why would I ever want to waste it doing something that's not in a line for me? So it's really legit owning what it means by energetic definition to be a projector. So I don't mind waiting because it's really not waiting for me. It's more alignment than anything. And I, you know, I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of things that were not aligned and they felt terrible. They were exhausting. I didn't enjoy it as much. And I was just like, I don't want to do that anymore. So the other piece of it too, for me is waiting really isn't necessarily waiting. It's connecting with spirit. Like that time that I'm not in a person's space or doing something one-on-one with someone in that guiding role, I'm interfacing with spirit. You know, I'm taking care of myself. So it's not really waiting at all. You know, it's really just alignment. It's amazing. Yes, you need to create space to have alignment, right? It's like if if you're constantly going around looking for the invitation, you're not really relaxing into alignment is what I heard you say. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense, right? You're not even doing what you're supposed to do correctly and in in the right way. You're still trying to be another type. Yeah, exactly. So Sarah, I know me though. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, I can't even think about just waiting around. Anyways, it's okay. (laughs) So Sarah, what is your response to this question about how does it feel to wait for an invitation or what does an invitation look like for you or feel like for you? I love what both April and Gayla said. Mm -hmm. They're just like spot on. And I think that recognition in the waiting, like all those pieces, the recognition, the wait and the invitation all kind of have their own like season in that. And for me, initially I was resistant. I was like, what do you mean you have to wait for like an invitation for a house or a job or, you know, big things. And I I think that's something that's talked about in HD is like the invitation for projector, the big things. And sometimes I started taking it like I think April was kind of alluding to it. Like, do I have to be waited? Do I have to wait to be invited to call somebody or do I have to wait to 
decide to wait for somebody to invite me to choose where we go to eat. And it's like, it's not those little things. Like you follow your joy in those little things. And then those big invitations come along. And I also think it's important to practice because sometimes we don't know what it feels like. And so to have somebody in your life, you're like, can you like practice inviting me so I can know what it feels like to be invited? And the other piece is that the invitation is formal. So I've noticed when people are like, yeah, I'd really like to do this with you. And it's just kind of like offhanded, not formal at all. I'm like, I, is that actually an invitation? I can't really tell. And so like recognizing what it is to be formally invited and what that feels like. And then I also, the weight piece, like sometimes that you hear weight and it just feels like you have to like sit on your hands or I'm just like, you know, wait and see. And Gail and I really processed this this spring as we were going through upheavals and housing and job things. And we were both like, oh, the weight is to like, get ready for the party. So like, you want to be able to say yes to the invitation. So the waiting isn't just like a sit around and sit on your step for somebody pulling your driveway, because that may happen to projectors. It happened to me this week. It's fascinating. I'm like, people literally just pulled into my driveway looking for me. Like they're going to find us, like us projector energy. Like you can't, you can't make it up. And at the same time, like you want to be ready. Like you want to be rested. You want to be connected to spirit. You want to know what lights you up. You kind of, you want to know your audience so that you're ready for when that invitation comes. So you can say yes. And I think that's like a whole shift in the energy around that recommendation. So what I hear you saying is like for business owners, when and you guys all are business owners, it's about being prepared for the invitation. So even if there's not an invitation at the moment, it's like, well, there's many things all of us can do when we own businesses to be prepared for the thing, right? That's going to come along. And so that recognition, so there's a feeling even, I know several of you in different ways may have said it, the feeling of recognition, like, is this an actual, you're recognizing me or you're just throwing out something, oh, someday it would be nice to, I mean, that happens to all of us, right? Somebody just mentions an idea. Oh, wouldn't it be nice? And you know how it is. Nobody really takes any action on the thing. So it's like, if you jump in as a projector at that point, it might not lead to anything. Can I also say, I think that the fifth line plays a a role here tremendously because for me, having all these defined centers and open root and an open sacral, and then having that fifth line and second line energy, which also kind of has the same feel. It's like people have a need and I'm like, Oh, I can help. You know, it's like, I, I was conditioned to run in and help and fix and save so much that it's hard to undo that. And that was a big part of my deconditioning and it still comes up, right? Like, like these people in my life know me as the person who will fix the things. So, you know, it comes to me. And I think that that is part of this whole process that we're talking about is like that invitation is like, is that an invitation? Is it truly an invitation or is it somebody saying that I could do something and I probably will say yes, or are they recognizing me and honoring me in that request. Mm, yes. Do you guys feel that way? Yeah. And I would say like the formal deep invitations for me, they have arrived without pressure. Yeah. Like it, they, they're presented as like a gift. Like it feels like this precious gift with this and it's beautifully like wrapped and they're like, take your time, unwrap it. Like 
They're not giving it to me half unwrapped or totally exposed. It's coming to me like in this beautiful form and they're utterly recognizing me and basically setting this gift of this invitation. And there's no, I don't have this need to prove or this need to satisfy them. And they're like, it's really, I, I don't know if that's resonating with you guys, but it just, it feels really sacred when it is a correct invitation. Yeah. For me, it feels like, you know, that, that G center is like, Oh, you're lighting up my G center. I'm like, yes, that's me. You see me. <laughs> for me it's um, interesting because I've done this like y'all so many different ways. And when, it, when you're taught to go out and get the invitation, that's what a lot of projectors hear. And it's funny when, when our sacral beings here, wait, they can't internalize it. So <laughs> they're like, what are you talking about? Wait. <laughs> so it's so funny when you, you're, you listen to projectors talk like they're waiting to turn on their sacral. But that's not what we're really doing, right? Like, because that's what the majority of the world hears is, what are you talking about? So it's a lot of confusion, but really it's just for, for what I've found is we are becoming the highest version of who we are so that when someone's ready for what we have to share, they find us. So it's more about the person that we're here to serve being ready for what we have to offer than me being ready for them, if that makes sense. Like mm. they've got to figure out for, because I have a lot of, I have shop in my thing. I have, I, I believe in my whole job is to get people from being stuck. That's what my energetic signature is about. Well, I can't get you unstuck if you don't want to be unstuck. And I've tried that, especially in my previous career, because a lot of the people I've served, God love them. They didn't really want to be unstuck. They weren't really legit inviting me. They were assigned to me as patients, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. All two, 3,000 of them, but they didn't necessarily select me, right? Mm-hmm. So I used a lot of my energy in a lot of improper invitations, but now that I get to choose who I work with, you know, it's more about, okay, I'm here. Let me listen for the cues. If they're really ready, then they get all the secret sauce. <laughs> yeah. That is so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. For people to be ready to shift any of us, right? Yeah. We're not going to shift if we're not ready. So mm-hmm. what's the point? I think yeah. that's one of the things that I really had to learn going into business for myself. Like I was so excited to talk about nutrition with everybody and like my family has had it all like they're done. <laughs> they hit that point early on. I was like, but I have these things to share with you. Like this would help you so much. And that was before I learned I was a projector. And once I did, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to share and guide without permission to do so. And once I realized like, oh, I can just say, this is what I do. This is what I know. They can know that I'm a resource. And when they're ready, they will come and invite me. So instead of pushing, like I was pushing, you know, and it was very repelling. And I was like, why do people not want to change? (laughs) Why don't they want help? Why don't they want my help? You know, (laughs) but I had these amazing things to share. (laughs) So that was, that was a big learning piece for me. But yeah, once, once I recognized like, oh, with the invitation, I can share all of this and I can save it for the people who really want it. And, and it's, it's rewarding that way. Yeah. I had a question about, so when you have your own business, do you have an email list and 
you know, social media platform, do you feel invited by the people then who sign up for your email list, right? To share with them on through emails. I'm just curious about that part. For me, I, I feel like the email, yes. And I feel like sometimes social media, but I don't really enjoy social media. I mm. find it very exhausting to tell mm. you the truth. I would much rather have a really weird, deep conversation with someone one-on-one than to talk to a whole mass of people who may or may not be hearing. Let's go yeah. deep and weird and <laughs> I'm all in. You know. And Oh, and also April, you're a five two, So I would think that that more feels like more one-on-one conversations, the two yeah. line, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, so I'll pop out and I'll do some social media and then I'm like, okay, I'm done now. I'm done for a while. <laughs> and then I'll feel inspired and I'll throw some stuff back up there. And, and that's just kind of how it goes. And I've noticed, cause I've tried to play with that and push that more where I show up more consistently and it doesn't really make more results for me. It's like people actually engage more when I disappear for a while. And then I show up when I feel inspired than if I just keep pushing content out. Do you have a um, 12 anywhere? I'm just curious. (laughs) I do. My 12 is my life's work, right? So it's about like, yeah, saying it when you're emotionally ready, which I'm still learning. (laughs) Anyways, so Gayla or Sarah, do either of you have anything about social media and email lists? How do you use them? I love social media. Um, I'm a social person anyway. So I usually find something to post every day to inspire people. But it's shifted from more about something very simple than this long teachings. And sometimes I still do. I really play around with it, but I have my own Facebook group. So in that group, I give more of myself and talk more of myself about what we're doing um, and more of a coaching or healing or guiding in a way. But on general social media, not as much. What's interesting to me, I agree with April because it's a fifth line energy. We really shouldn't be tapped in all the time. I've learned that just recently. So it's funny. I never feel comfortable just doing video. You know, people have video content and they just post this video content. I'm like, well, who's looking at the video? But I feel really comfortable doing audio, doing a podcast or writing. So it's interesting. But, you know, in person, I don't mind talking in person, right? And being on a panel or being a guest speaker, so it's fascinating how it feels on that end of it. But what's interesting, though, the best clients come from referrals for me. They mm-hmm. really do. They come from other people that I've worked with. So I don't know how much of that marketing and social media matters. <laughs> but when yeah. I get, you know, when I work with someone, then they usually bring me the best, the best clients. And they usually say yes, like they're ready. There's no sales involved. They're like, yeah, you know, my friend told me about you. And then it's like, where do I sign up? It's less work for me, which is fabulous. That is fabulous. And I'm curious about you being a projector, having a Facebook group. Here's what I I have thought about Facebook groups is they take a lot of work. I don't know. I don't have a Facebook group. I avoid it <laughs> at all costs. But I'm curious, Gayla. So you thought it was it was a good is this a marketing strategy for you? The Facebook group? 
It's more about community and it okay. definitely is marketing too, because it's, you know, depending on what post I'll put, I'll invite people because I'm really interested in gathering the leaders of the new consciousness. Mm-hmm. So they'll come in the group. And then um, I've taught, like I did a 30 day teaching series one time where I just popped on and taught something new for 30 days. So, I mean, it's really nice to have. What I say is effective in terms of business, that is growing. It's still real small. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm not quite sure if I can say it does or doesn't, but I know people feel safe there. And it's been a pretty consistent space. So it doesn't feel like work, but I don't, work is like um, a four-letter word, if you will, now. (laughs) So I have just tried to remove it from my vocabulary (laughs) and my psyche. So it doesn't feel like work because it feels like social hour to me because that's how I nice. find intention for it now and yeah. um so I the ladies in the group could probably tell you more <laughs> about what they get from it yeah and yeah that thanks for bringing it up though because I'm curious about the <laughs> Facebook group thing so Sarah as far as you go social media uh email list do you have that going on so we just like opened our business this summer and so I've just been really like just playing with things. So just starting to get an email list going. Um, and what I wanted to share around social media. So I agree with what both April and Gail, I think our fifth lines play out in very interesting ways in social media. So you really can't like mitigate the projection field. And so it can be really intense energy, both positive and less positive um, experiences. And so being aware of that fifth line, I just, it plays out on the internet. And it's always there. So one of the things I wanted to share, though, what I have found interesting is as a physician, I was in a lot of physician mom groups. And so there's all these different, you know, gentle physician mamas or, you know, no drama mamas, and they're all doctor groups. And that's actually how I found Gayla was in a doctor group. And she had posted in a leadership group. Somebody was asking, well, how do I handle this dynamic at work? And I think Gayla was like, well, in human design. And I was like, human design? Like, Gila, like, who are you? And so we became friends through that. And I've actually met quite a few other physicians that will just drop little hints around human design. And recently, just there's a new group that was formed for physicians who are interested in human design. And it's been a really cool way of bringing those communities together. You know, we have a shared experience in our training and now a shared experience in like looking at how human design played out in this kind of medicine. And so I think there's just a lot of ways that Social media can help you find your people. Um, And I would say in my business in its current little baby state, infancy state, it's been word of mouth. So I'm in a building with a man, Jen, and she just fills my schedule and I get to just love on our people and participate in that healing way. And I found myself being like, I should be marketing. I should be doing these things. And I'm like, every week my schedule fills from word of mouth. And it's just like a beautiful exchange. And so I think just that idea that as projectors, like we want to be here for everybody, but we're here for specific people who are ready for what we're here to offer and to honor the beauty in that, especially being conditioned to this like quantity over quality world. Um, We mostly grew up in and are still trying to shift in of this is really about quality and not quantity and that it's not necessarily about reaching the masses. It's about reaching the people that we're here to serve and guide. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love that. And I have another, um, I think this might be the last conversation as I'm looking at the time. I could talk to you guys for a long time. This is lovely. 
Thank you so much for being here. I have this question about sleep because Sarah, you're the one that talked about separate rooms. Do you, you literally have a separate room? That's so fascinating. This well, like changed our lives. Well, yeah. it's a little bit of a challenge. So my daughter, she just, she had just weaned. Um, and so once I found out human design, um, but once I found it out and my daughter's a non, she's a manifester and my husband's a generator and me being a projector. And so in the human design world, really sacral beings should not be sleeping in the same room as non-sacral beings Mm -hmm. because of the energy exchange all night. And so we started witnessing this. Um, and so we were like, no, we're all going to separate bedrooms and it certainly does not work perfectly, but we can tell a difference in each of our energy. Um, waking up in the morning if we are able to remain separated and just for any mamas out there you have a sacral child or like even with my Everly as a man like she ended up in my bed in the middle of the night last night and if I can turn my back to her like if we can go back to back I actually get much better sleep than if we're like heart to heart and I haven't quite figured out the dynamics of that or if I can be, you know, a king size bed and she's on one side and I'm further on the other. So we can be in the same bed, but if we can get a little bit of space, we definitely get better sleep. But I, like now I'm like, you can feel it, you know, when you're in a hotel room, like, or an Airbnb and you're sharing a room, I'm like, oh, I can feel that sacral energy all night. And like, I'm not supposed to be in it like this. And my husband has been a very gracious being and he knows his world's happier if his girls are happier. So he's like, you girls need your own rooms. <laughs> so anyway, he's happy to keep his sacral to himself. <laughs> That's super interesting. April or Gala, do you have any experience with this sleeping with, you know, sacral beans? Yeah, for sure. I definitely do. But what's interesting, the energy that I think bothers me more than the sacral is actually the emotional solar plexus in the root, because the sacral feels very even to me. And I've spent time with sacral beings, you know, on trips or, you know, depending on how their energy frequency really is. So I don't know if it's just a sacral, but that emotional solar plexus wears me out. Like it is, it, that is what yeah. I tap into in the root more mm-hmm. than the sacral. The sacral kind of juices me up a little bit, but I love sleeping alone. Now, I've never had a problem sleeping alone. And I think um, when we're talking about relationships and even little bitty babies, like if I babysat someone, I do not have children, but when I babysat them and they want to get clingy, I'm like, can, come get it, get it. Yeah. You know, I can't hold this baby all night, you know? So I absolutely love sleeping alone. I can feel a difference when someone's in the bed with me for sure. But it's interesting, even in a hotel room, now just one person, I cannot share a room with more than one person, you know, like, especially a hotel. No, 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 no. I've always bought projectors Buy your own hotel room. Do not feel pressure to share with your friends and family. Pay extra money. (laughs) And that's what I have done. And it's wonderful. And you can get an adjoining room. Don't feel guilty. So having maybe one person in there in their queen size bed away from me, that's, that's okay. But otherwise it's very fascinating to see the difference when, when someone's there and when someone's not. Thank you for sharing that. This is like such great wisdom. I'm so glad you guys are here to share it. I mean, I have this question from projector clients that I really have to sleep alone. And I honestly, 
I have all my own reasons for really wanting to sleep alone as a man, Jen. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Struggle with my husband. You go sleep somewhere else. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, when they ask that question, I'm like, I don't have this experience. So I'm super happy that you guys are sharing this. April, did you have anything to add to that conversation? Well, my whole house, nobody has a sacral, you know, so that's, I mean, all of my bedrooms are kind of like stacked. (laughs) They're in this little box of the house. Right. So, so like all that sleeping energy is in the same area of the house, but generally it's okay, but I do sleep better if I can sleep totally alone. So even, even without the sacral, I feel like projectors do just sleep better alone. Yeah. Like so, all the little sounds, all the little things that are happening are just <laughs> distractions and just having another energy being there, whether it's sacral or not, just that energy being is like, I'm trying to like plug into them. It's like, where's your G center? I'm trying to get who you are <laughs> all the time as a projector. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that that's always, you know, there's like a, a level of disruption. It's like mm-hmm. an awareness that's there, even when you're sleeping. Yeah, and that's what I think is distracting. I agree. <laughs> that's exactly right. I was going to see if I could add one more thing. You know, I know it's not possible for everybody, given their house situation or their family situation, for everybody to have their own room. But something that we started playing with was that laying flat. And I've read that a few different places for the non-sacral beings to lay flat and for an extended period of time before sleep. And so if you are a projector or a reflector or a manifester, and you're not able to sleep separately from someone, there's not possibility for a room or you've, you know, so many kids and kids have to share rooms. Like if you can help your non-sacral people get into the habit of laying flat and like really letting that discharge and even preferably before somebody else is in that room, that will at least help discharge that energy before there's a re-entry of the energy. And so I think there's different ways. Like it sounds so extreme when we're like, yeah, we all want our own rooms like all the time. And I just want to represent like, that's not possible for everyone in their current season. And it might be something to work towards or be creative with how you set up your house. Um, And at the same time, that laying flat is a really powerful. And I can now recognize like if you are a projector and you're in a work situation and for whatever reason, it's overwhelming or you're that burnout. Like when you get home, say, I really need an hour to lay flat. And like really create these moments for you to like discharge the energy from your different environments so you can be present. And that's one thing I wish I would have known as a child, because I think it would have made a big difference. You know, something else that I've done is, um, you know, they have those big body pillows. I put it in front of me, like when April was talking about, you know, feeling into that G center and when Sarah was like back to back doesn't bother her as much. It's true. And I've tried it out before where, you know, my partner may be in the room and I'll put a pillow between us and you can feel it. Like even on the couch, if you have guests over, just put a pillow in front of you. It's amazing. It's, I can legit feel the energy be absorbed by the pillow and it's no longer coming straight at me. It's fascinating to watch, especially if you're in a heated discussion or something and you're just there, you're visiting family. Just grab a pillow or you put your purse in front of you or something and it will block some of that. Wow. (laughs) I have not heard of some of these things before. Thank you. This is amazing. I'm going to have a whole list. Here's what the projector wisdom said. There's going to be a list of all the things. Here's you could try this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Super yeah. fun. I think that that Thank was you. such a great point that you made, Sarah, um, about laying flat because 
that is one thing that we all do in our house. Like we all go to our rooms and lay flat and read a book or even like download a Netflix show on our iPads and watch that because we're lying flat and that allows that energy to discharge. Even though we're not sacral beings here, we're interacting with people through Zoom even, which is a thing. Like we can pick up that energy through Zoom. It's not just like being in that physical space with somebody where we feel it. And my husband and I have been on like off schedules our entire relationship. Like I've go to bed hours before he does. And it's fantastic. (laughs) And he stays in bed longer than I do in the morning. We're just off that schedule a little bit from what is typical. And it's amazing for us because we both get time in the bed alone (laughs) to actually get that deep sleep. Yeah. I wanted to say this too, because I think part of ushering in the new consciousness is maybe ushering in how we do relationships and the traditional, you know, way of you see a married couple and they're in there, you know, that's what we're traditionally used to. But I really believe we're going to open up the door to make your relationship what you need it to be and want it to be. And all this traditional stereotypes and rules and expectations, it's just not serving them, you know, a lot of us in, in many ways. And I think if we're honest enough, Um, We can say, you know, I love you, but I really would like my own room. It doesn't mean your marriage is falling apart or, but those that have that is it, is it important to them to be together in the same bed? That's fine. I just think we should open up the discussion. And I wanted to say that because I know somebody out there is like, thank God somebody else said it. It's, I really think it's okay. And it doesn't mean you don't love them, but we do have a responsibility to educate those around us as to why we may need that time because they may feel and take it personally. But if you just, you know, I call it my sacred sleeping room. Like, you know, it's my sacred room and I go in there and, but it's not against anyone else, right. You know, in the house, but, but I really think we're going to be shifting, (laughs) shaking it up a little bit, how we do relationships, especially when you really learn human design. Oh, that is such another topic. Wow. (laughs) I think that that piece that we're talking about is sleeping and rest is so important to avoiding the bitterness because for me as a projector and my family, I've seen it all the time. When we get tired, we get bitter. We're like, get out of my space. Leave me alone. What do you want? And we get really short with one another because we just need to retreat and have time alone. So I think that the bitterness can come from multiple areas. But I think the biggest thing that I have seen is that bitterness comes from being tired and not having enough alone time. Yes. Mm, That's a good one too. (laughs) So add it to all the things. Oh my (laughs) gosh, this is such a great conversation. Thank you so much for bringing your wisdom. And I just want to go around one last time and maybe you can tell people if they're interested in finding out more about you, where's the best place for them to reach you? Let's let's do that. April, I want to start with you. So I have a website, aprilporter.com. I have a book that's coming out in December. It's called Parenting the Child You Have. It's human design parenting. Um, It's for parents, but it's also for people who want to look back at their childhood through a different lens. And for me, I have changed and shifted relationships with my parents through my understanding of human design, even though they're not into it. I mean, my mom kind of is, but my dad is definitely not. And that helped a lot. So yeah, my book is coming out in December. My website is where you can find me aprilporter.com. Thank you. And Sarah, how about you? So email would be great. 
info at welldesignedfamily.com in the process of the website making, but not quite there. And then Instagram, I'm at the handle welldesignedsarah, S-A-R-A. You can find me there. Thank you so much. Gayla? Yeah, so the best way to find me would be on social media. So Facebook under Gayla, G-A-Y-L-A, Gates, G-A-T-E-S. Or Sister Path Soul is the group, and that's S-I-S-T-A-P-A-T-H-S-O-U-L. And that's the Facebook group, Sister Path Soul Sangha, S-A-N-G-H-A. So it's a community. And then on Instagram, it's Sister Path Soul. Wow. You guys are, even though your projectors, you're everywhere. This is great. (laughs) I'm excited to talk more to you later. I'm happy to have you on the podcast again. If there's a specific topic, I can see April, something about books and parents. And that sounds fascinating. Yes, there's so much good stuff here. So thank you so much for joining me today. And we'll talk later. Thank you. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please go subscribe so that you get notified of all the future goodies that are coming along. While you're there, please leave me a review and let me know what you think. So excited to share this with you and can't wait to talk to you next time. Bye.